Hello, friends. My name is Andrew Sweeney from Parallax, and this is a quick plug for what we are up to and how you can participate in or support our activities. Firstly, me and Tom Amark are developing Parallax Academy. We have several fantastic new courses available, including ones from Layman Pascal and Brendan Graham Dempsey, and more to be announced soon. We also have a membership program that allows you to participate in live events and community discussions with some of the great people we've interviewed. Furthermore, if you become a member, you can participate in one of our study groups. And if you're interested in one-to-one -one dialogue, I offer what I call meaning coaching, which helps people connect to their own daemon, dance with the muse, and have a richer and more meaningful existence overall. To conclude, there are several ways to be involved in Parallax. You can become a member, which allows you to participate in live events and study groups and gives you access to past courses. You can take some of our courses. Finally, you can simply subscribe and like our YouTube channel or sign up for our newsletter to keep abreast of all of our activities. In any case, thank you in advance for any support or good vibes or participation in this project. And please join us and help us to rebuild spirituality, rethink philosophy, and reimagine culture. Welcome to the Parallax Salon. My name is Tom Mark. This is the very first uh, salon we offer from the Parallax Academy, which offers kind of educational content for members and non-members alike. That is, uh, we're trying to rebuild spirituality, rethink philosophy, and refill culture. So, and in that instance, we have, as our first guest, invited Pamela von Sableja. I, I still hope I get that correct. So she is a speaker, a facilitator, and a mentor, and her work is very much concerned with and centered about um, evolutionary errors. Very welcome, Pamela, that you're here, and thank you for coming. Um, Andrew will host this evening, and we'll have a conversation about 60 minutes, I think, and then we open it up for question and uh, for an open dialogue. Thank you, Andrew, for doing this, and um, here you go. Let's go. Okay, hello, Pamela. Um, so I guess uh, we, we met a couple times, um, first time in, in Kiev, actually strangely enough, and then the second time uh, in Berlin for the Emerge Festival. Um, and you're, you've been a real presence in the Emerge community and, and I guess you're doing a lot of things and the, the big word that sticks out in, in your bio and in, when you're speaking about yourself is this, this, uh, this word Eros, living from Eros. So, so I guess I, I wanna ask you, the first question I wanna ask you is, is you know, maybe maybe you could tell uh, so tell the audience a little bit about your journey towards that coming to that sort of formulation, um, and then and then and then where you're where, where you're at, what you're doing, at the moment. Hmm. Yeah. Thank you, Andrew, for the invitation. And uh, yeah, I think here was uh, 2019, just before the pandemic. And then there was Berlin, like one and a half year ago, approximately, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, I'm just gonna like tune into your question. Uh, so your question was, tell you a little bit about how I came to have a close relationship to Eros and, and why that's something that I feel really passionate about. Is that where we're going? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Hmm. 
Yeah, I, I would say that somewhere along my journey of exploring consciousness and my own, um, <laughs> how do you say, I think uh, uh, Ken Wilber, is, he, ha he has this like almost like a slogan, like his pitch, like clean up, uh, wake up and show up and, and so on. And um, through these different parts of my own journey, and um, I just come to a point where I became more and more present to uh, life itself and uh, could start to notice that practicing my presence, I could also come in connection with the impulse of Eros. And Eros for me is another word for sexual energy, creative energy, uh, life force energy, aliveness. You could, you could also make it very simple and call it aliveness. So in what way can I be in connection with life itself and by that responding to these subtle impulses from my inner knowing that I also, even if I say my inner knowing, because then you can have a mental image of that it's actually only happening within my body or within me with the boundaries of my physical body. And that's not my full experience. It's almost like I would say the subtleties from my inner knowing that is deeply connected to something that is so much bigger than myself and beyond the boundaries of my physical body. Um, so it is like through life, because, uh, I usually say, I know this is a space for reinventing in philosophy. And I usually say like, I'm not con a conceptual philosopher in any way. Um, I more have followed the phenomenology uh, of life itself, like different events, different experiences, different insights that has taken me deeper and deeper into what I would call the mystery. Uh, and and there, starting to make sense of the different experience that has kept on coming for years and and decades. Mm -hmm. So, where I'm standing right now, and and not in any way that I don't receive that I am like oh I'm I'm there at the goal line. I, I have all the answers around it. I understand it fully. It's more a quite nuanced and deep like understanding that there seems to be a force of nature, like a life force that is moving the whole evolution in, in universe. And uh, if I and we, because we have that capacity as a group, as a collective, if we start to pay attention to these subtleties, like these impulses, we can actually be conscious creators and co-creators of the evolutionary process. And that is like what, what I'm passionate about is to how can we bring arrows back into culture? How can we like that our modern um, our modern narrative or the story that hold the whole modern society together? It is based on separation. It's based on disconnection, uh, and it's based on parts instead of like wholeness. Uh, and, and I'm just really curious of what would happen if we brought back a sense of generativity within ourselves, uh, with each other, like the choices we do in society for actually recreating a more um, regenerative society. So, yeah.
I was thinking today, are you familiar with, with uh, Gurdjieff, George Gurdjieff and his work, this kind of, you know, Armenian mystic from the 1920s? Um, anyway, we run a, a kind of a Gurdjieff group here and, and we've been studying his, his work and he focuses very much on conscious suffering. Mm. Um, and, and, and I think that, and I was thinking about this before I was going to talk to you and I was thinking, this is a very masculine approach to, to focus on suffering. Uh, to focus on, you know, uh, I, and and I don't want to, you know, totally genderize this, but 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 I but I but I noticed that the the, the, um, the tendency of almost a more feminine spirituality would be toward eroticism and a feminine and a, and a tendency toward masculine uh, masculine spirituality tends to be sort of sort of no and, and and looking at your suffering and starting with the crisis. Mm. So anyway, I was just I was meditating on that, so I wondered if if that. If that makes any sense to you and 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 if you have any reflections yeah it makes a lot of sense and and one thing i get curious on when you say that is that uh if you would like to give a distinction point when you say suffering like the from the the tradition you've been reading into like what would you say is their approach around the suffering and what does suffering mean just if you would like to give me some something around that yeah. Yeah, so from the, the Gurdjieffian point of view, that would be mechanicalness, just being mechanical in one's existence. Mm -hmm. So, so, so it would be the false personality, uh -huh, or the facade, or or anything that we do that is not alive. So, in, in in a way, it's the same thing as what you're talking about, because when we notice the mechanicalness of our existence, then something opens up for for the real intensity of of, of actual eros or actual life. Mm -hmm. um, so it's almost like coming at the same thing from a different different point of view. Mm. So I would say suffering is 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 not is when the worst kind of suffering is there's there's actual suffering and pain, and then there's the pain of not being engaged and not being attacked and not seeing things and not being in the world, right? Living in representations, living in in in, in, in a simulacrum, mm. instead of living in 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 the the, the real juice of of life. Mm. Yeah, and uh, and I can deeply relate, and uh, I can relate both on a personal level because I received that the first twenty years. I I would say I focus on the suffering, like to really what is the fake identities, what is like the different crises that went through my life where I needed to like just plunge into uh, see what was uh, in the way of me becoming more alive, and actually just having a. Uh, a capacity to be in awe and wonder <laughs> for this amazing life that we have as available for us on earth like not wanting to be anywhere else or go anywhere else uh, and also just like having the capacity to be with my suffering like that took a long time of not trying to avoid it or suppress it but actually be with the, the emotions and everything that comes with the suffering and then also decode and reprogram of like what is the false personalities and stuff that I put on myself to become safe but not alive. And then a little bit more than 10 years ago, there was a really significant shift. And I also received that I can see it collectively, like that we have had quite masculine spirituality, if I'm using your words. And it seems that this wave of like bringing errors back to culture, bringing us into the body, bringing us into the pleasure of being alive, it seems that that is actually what 
the world is needed out of where we're at in the crisis we're in the world. So, so that's also where I can see my client work has shifted, for example, and I can see what it does when we actually are allowing ourselves to focusing on the genitivity. Um, and from there, um, taking care of whatever, whatever is suffering, but starting in a post-tragic standpoint. That's uh, so I don't see either off. I actually see them quite beautiful together. And I see the gravity point in, if I use your word, like the feminine, more spirituality of pleasure and body and going from genitivity and building that and choosing that and following the impulse of Eros and attuning your nervous system, creating a chemistry that allows your system to actually be more available to pay attention uh, to these subtle impulses. And then from there, taking care of the suffering that or that the suffering, the crisis that comes from that you enhance the generativity in your system and around you and in the culture or in the group. Mm -hmm. How does that sound like for you? What what does that well, what, what I what I think about and, and, and what I think about a lot because it's my major preoccupation is is the need for for the tantric tradition to enter the culture in some kind of way, whatever you want to call that, you know, you know, I, you know, I, I practice in a Buddhist tantric tradition, but there's various tantric traditions. And for me, that means that doesn't mean a, a flattening out of, let's say, it doesn't mean a, a matriarchy or, or a patriarchy. It means that the feminine is powerful and the masculine is powerful as well. Um, and, but, the, but there's a return in, in some sense to polarity and a return in some sense to to the dynamic uh, polarity uh, you know and and that that kind of uh, and that's that is sort of like moving from let's say sutric spirituality which is very much about discipline and renunciation and and um, and cutting yourself off from from you know worldly passions to 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 embracing the passions but not in a uh, but in an intelligent and a sophisticated um kind of way and i think that means it means the feminine is very present as well it's not monastic it's it's right in the center of things mm. yeah and it's like i i was at a monastery last spring around this time in in france plum village at mm -hmm. Hans buddhist monastery and like the lushness of that garden <laughs> it was like uh, a walking in like um, aliveness and beauty and prosperity. So either even if the monastery itself was quite constrained and disciplined by food and touch and a lot of things that you maybe would uh, look at is pleasure, but it was so present. If you would talk like the garden was the feminine, that was mm -hmm. like, it was so much aliveness in the garden, so much beauty and so much pleasure just by walking and smelling and touching like the different fabrics of the plants and so on. So I think that was also like a very beautiful, um, yeah, just a, a visual, visual way of, of seeing, as you're pointing out, I, I really, that is one thing that pulls me quite a lot right now of like how, how can men and women show up together 
in full maturity, embodying both their own feminine and masculine and totally being relaxed that we are different. We're not the same. Uh, and how can we play with a polarity from that place? And what what is the possibility? What is the power that it can be harnessed uh, in that uh, polarity play? Uh, and, and yeah, just the small explorations and the innovations that I I sit with for now is just that I can notice that. Uh, yeah, but for example, when you when you work with like intersubjective dialoguing or emergent dialoguing or we spaces or like John Vivek's way of saying like uh, uh, dialoguers, like when you create that space and bring in the feminine masculine polarity between men and women, it is like putting a psychedelic into the space. Like it yeah. alters your state of consciousness in such a profound way and take us like uh, it, it places in our consciousness that I was like, yeah, um, yeah, quite amazing. And I'm, I'm just like, and what could that do for our culture? Like if, if we talk about we're in a meta crisis and so on, like how much creativity can we generate together uh, in that space? And, and I don't have an answers, but I know I have a lot of questions and curiosity to explore it. Well, I was thinking when you were speaking about this beautiful garden in, in the in, you know, Thich Nhat Hanh Center, in a way it's the polarity which allows, it's the emptiness, right, of this practice, which is which allows for the lushness mm -hmm. to emerge, right? So if you're just lost in the, in the in the sensual lushness of it, it would become a jungle. It would become chaotic. You couldn't you, you couldn't you couldn't see the beauty. So there is this like there has to be sort of a, a balance of you know we call emptiness and luminosity, you know in in a tantric tradition there has to be this, and that that is what creates that kind of a a, a richness, not not one or the other. <laughs> um, no, and, and and when you when you talk into that vastness. I think that's perhaps what I'm pointing at when I shared in the beginning that following these subtleties from my inner knowing, like they need to be in a container of vastness, not even a container, a space of vastness, because I have the experience that it's like I'm connected to a void and that void is like beyond my humanness or my personality and that that's where I can pick up the lushness of life, like the impulses of life and following them. And that's very much beyond my own identifications. And at the same time, there is such a, yeah, you know, there's like two movements moving together because it is also eros, like the evolutionary uh, impulse also finds me, like the evolutionary process finds me through my deepest desires. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's, that's how I have received, uh, yeah, experience so far that that evolutionary process is talking to us through our deepest desires and then having the discernment and the sovereignty to know what it was like what is more shallow desires and what is actually deeper and how does it feel when life force energy enter your physical body and you can notice that the aliveness like increases and having that as gps of of guidance of what is the next right step when you're navigating through yeah, life and leadership and as a group and and so mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so what about what about what about practices? Um, how, how do we practice this? You mentioned dialogos. You know, mm -hmm. you know, I do different kinds of meditation and other people do, uh, you know, 
yoga and, and there's all of these different like like techniques and, and things that people are seem to need to do right now because I think it's almost because of the super sensual nature of the internet. It just sucks you in and sucks your mind in. And so you need to do all these practices just for your own kind of um, mental health. Well, I'm just wondering, uh, like discovering this aliveness, discovering this arrows within in you, what, what are the practices and, and, and what are, what is, you know, what are the practices you do? Mm. Uh... If that's not too personal or, or um, no, I'm just like I'm just dropping a deeper to see like well, what's like what's really here right now. Um, one practice that I have had for many years is to be deeply um, every day connected to nature. Like to to be with and in nature for having the possibility of just attuned to it and notice that I am a part of something that is bigger and a greater ecosystem and also just allowing nature to do what it does when we spend time in nature coming into a sense of wholeness. Uh, so that is one uh, everyday practice for me and, and that I do every morning. Uh, and then another type of practice, and in that nature practice, I am uh, practicing walking meditation. Mm -hmm. I to to really pay attention to all the like the, the the textures, the fabric, the smell, the different yeah fields of energy that is in nature. When you walk around, there is uh, tons of portals I receive. Uh, so just being there and being with it and being present to it. And, um, and then also for me, there is also an important of having a quite clear, like a nervous system practice so that I am in attuning to the vehicle that my body is. So that is in a space of generativity and not like a too stressed and dead or numb or painful uh, state. So for me, that can be everything from shaking and dancing and doing breath work, uh, stretching, like whatever my uh, inner uh, chemistry needs to come back into an open and connected and present body. Um, so, um, and then also um, meditating and working with my energy body and uh, and the energies around me. That's also and prayer. That's also an important part of uh, of my practice. Hmm. Yeah, and and for me also, it is uh, uh, like a practice that's not. Uh, like only morning or night is a is a <laughs> living every day as much as I am aware of choosing to attune to eros, like to tune to uh, like if I'm sitting in a conversation, having a quality of presence so I can notice when the energy is shifting in the field between us. Uh, when I am sitting and uh, doing uh, emails or talking to a client like am i in a state of connection uh, and asking for um guidance in different decisions and so on so listening for where do i come alive and then take that into discernment of like is this an alignment with values and purpose and so on but like that's my um yeah everyday 
consistently practice. So we're kind of like a lot of people are sort of not religious these days. They're post-religious, and, and you, you also but there but you also mentioned prayer. Mm -hmm. So 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 like I was curious about what what people what people mean by prayer. What is prayer? What, what do you think prayer is? Mm. I come from a Christian uh, Christian uh, tradition. Uh, so for me, as a child, like prayer was something that created a sense of being held. Uh, so somewhere I have that with me. And then I left uh, Christianity, Christianity when I was around 14, 15. And then I try and turn myself away from it for a very long time because I couldn't be with the dogma and the, the gap between what you pray, what you, what you pray, but how to say, yeah, what you say and the difference of what you do. And, um, and then I've landed, uh, that pray for me is a ritual. Uh, pray for me is a way of being intentional. Uh, pray for me is also to both connect to my ancestors, because I, I pray for support from ancestors, the lineage I come from, everything that I'm standing on. And pray for me is also to uh, ask for support uh, for something that is beyond myself whatever and i don't put a specific word on that but i do have a deep sense of its presence yeah you don't call it god or or anything like that but no i don't call it god and actually also interesting like the last year i also been playing around with what would have because i have noticed it's easier for me when i speak mm -hmm. and like when I'm going to speak into images or uh, with people to to create like a kind of common uh, sense making or understanding, I can use like word as Shiva and Shakti. I can use word mm -hmm. like from other tradition. And the last year I've been like, what if I just owe my background? <laughs> why, yeah. why if I just owe where I come from and the ground I'm standing on because these symbols these rituals for my psyche and the collective that I come from do have a deep spiritual meaning. Yeah. So I'm also been playing around with that and I, I found it quite uh, liberating and fun uh, and uh, interesting. Yeah. I, yeah. I think I'm, I, I think I'm experiencing something similar that, to you actually. I, cause I studied tantric Buddhism for a long time and now I'm studying deeply like Jewish mysticism and, and things like this and some words in the hebrew tradition are just so gorgeous like th they call the the, the holy spirit the shekinah and when I, you just hear this word and mm. it has this deep power to it um i think a lot of the the, the hebrew words and uh, and stuff like that are, are very very powerful and it's like sanskrit or something like you know you know i was very attracted to the sanskrit words and uh, you mentioned shiva and shakti and prajna and you know all these words uh, have have a have a spiritual potency and, and depth to them um yeah, but they're also present in in the west as well almost i think in the hebrew and and and, and different uh, kind of more let's say hidden uh, ways so anyway yeah I wanted to come back to polarity and, and masculine and feminine because it's because I'm very I'm very interested in this subject. Mm. Um, I was think I was thinking uh, we had a men's group at Parallax. It's it's no longer there, but uh, we did it for for 
for a bit for about a year, almost a year, and uh, and we had some women that came in and talked to us, and it was a very interesting, uh, almost clash of cultures. Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, the men were, the women were upset that the men were hyper-conceptual, intellectual, and, and kind of like aggressive, and and they're, and they're they're feeling it in their body, and they're getting upset. They're like, I can, I'm getting a headache. I can feel it in my body. You guys are just so fucking conceptual. Come down to earth. And um, anyway, it was a very interesting experience. So, so, uh, so I get, yeah, I wonder, like, coming back to this kind of like how men and women can be with each other in the, this postmodern age where the, you know, the gender the gender polarities sort of collapse have collapsed and now now people are sort of unhappy with that and trying to trying to find them again mm. yeah as i as i uh <laughs> I, I, I laugh because I can so relate uh, to uh, <laughs> to what you just shared. And that's also part of uh, my experience, both personal and, and in groups. And and uh, and I also had a couple of these, like I, I do, um, I'm one of the co-initiator of Nordic Women's Gathering. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we gather uh, a group of women, like uh, yeah, between 1500, we gather once a year to explore womanhood in the 21st century. And uh, last year we had, I could notice that as a source keeper for it, I could notice that uh, there was a very clear impulse of bringing men into the space first, for the first time in five years. Uh, so we did like an online series that we called the Edge, like, Edge Walking Women in 21 Century. And there was a similar class clash <laughs> you uh, talked about. And it was so interesting and I learned so much. And, um, and also, Again, like going back to what I said before, like uh, <laughs> I think it's so important right now that we dare to start from the ground that we're not uh, the same, that we are uniquely different. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, and that doesn't take away that we have psychology. Like, I'm, now I'm talking about the biological perspective. That of course infuses all the other perspectives, but of course we do have we're social constructed. We have a psychology that can be changed like out of our entire lifetime and so on. But daring to say we're different, how can we honor that? How can we work with that difference, and how can we deeply appreciate it? Yeah, and I think one of the problems is this kind of like the resentment that comes along with difference. Mm. And also the the focus on power, like men are supposed to have all the power, and and you know women are supposed to have been oppressed for mm. since the beginning of time, and and then and then I think there's a lot, of, you know, I, I think Carl Jung was quite right that almost like what what women have to deal with is animus, and what men have to deal with is anima. Um, in other words. This this might sound like a, a vast sweeping generalization, and people might get offended. But but I but I often feel like 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 the feminine anger towards men and the men and the male kind of um, men men sort of becoming feminized and and this kind of like we we have to we have to discover that in ourselves. We have to figure that out. We can't just go off into the polarities. Um, am I making any sense here? Or or 
Uh, yes and no. Like uh, you're using two uh, two definitions. Like the 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 you said. Yeah. Did you say Freud or Jung? Freud. Right? Jung, Jung. Jung had this theory of of like okay, the the anima is the hidden feminine within every male, right? The repressed feminine. Yeah. Like uh, the push down feminine in every male, and that and that animus is the push down masculine in every female. And there's a powerful animus, right? In in um in, in a lot of a lot of feminism, it's anti male or something. And then there's you know, and then the anima would be would be people men afraid of their own manhood. Yeah. Um. And uh, you know, and uh, and sort of becoming unconsciously. Being unconsciously uh, dominated by the anima, um, both, yeah, on both sides, right? Yeah, uh, definitely. I uh, I'm not so well known with the concept that you're sharing, but I understand from my my point of view. We just use different words, but mm -hmm. I go in, to the point. Yes, and I think that's like one of them. Like when you describe, oh, you're so concept conceptual. Yes. And that is also very much the beauty uh, with uh, with a lot of the, the masculine capacity or men's capacity, because it's also like, you know, the distinction point with men, women, masculine, feminine is not the same. <laughs> like we do have masculine and feminine. We, I, sometimes it's easier to talk about them as energies like yin and yang energies. Uh, and then we do have different biology out of that. We are men and women. And we both have feminine masculine energies within us. And most often, not always, most often they sit a bit different depending on if they are in a female body or in a male body. And then we also have like the third circle that I, that I, and when I call third circle, it is around, we also have the fluids. We have the one who walks in between. They are in male course, bodies yeah. and female bodies, and they walk in between. And they had a very specific role in the tribe when we were living as a tribe. And they and I can notice that they have a also now when we're when the groups I'm in where we're playing a lot with like the polarities and the men and the women and and trying to find a different navigation point together that is beyond the postmodern. Um, culture around gender and sex that we have today yeah. uh, like so all these three circles as i see it women need to come into a right relationship with themselves men need to do the same the fluid ones need to do the same and we need to come into right relationship with each other what i receive is there somewhere there in the middle there seems to be a very very potent uh, technology and that is what you said before uh, uh polarity and um, and we, I think we miss something, something quite crucial. And I also think out of the times we're in, that this wants to come forward. Like it's almost like I can notice in different groups that I'm in, like globally. Like it's like that uh, consciousness is pushing the edges of of wanting to come into right relationship, and also like, and then that needs to be. I can see that there are so many women, for example who can't be with healthy male aggression like their nervous system can't be with it because most of us in our society today haven't been um uh, exposed to healthy male uh, aggression for me that's sacred like uh, it's uh it's so important and also like 
And also the difference, for example, between how men communicate, if I'm generalizing, of course, because we also have to do that to be able to talk about it, yeah. how women communicate. Like it took me quite a, a lot of effort to reprogram my nervous system so I could be with a room of men who are like in a communication where they actually in, um, how do you say, like in war with each other, but they're not mm. having a fight, but they are like a power measuring with their um, arguments as they were throwing a spear and the power measure with their argument for them is healthy because for them it's like i can feel you there you are and you're standing next to me and you you're telling your truth and it's hard and it's and it's it's like it's like that and that is a way of saying i can trust you because i know what you think and that's that's quite different. And you from- can trust somebody who's able to to uh, have a handle on their aggression, right? Whereas yeah. you can't you can't trust somebody who, who can't handle his own aggression, uh, or, or who's pushing it down, or or is behaving in a kind of a passive aggressive way, which a lot of us do. And you know, being from Canada, I find like Canadian people are so nice all the time, and mm. it's, like, it's like. And then I I notice like this kind of combative world of you know where the philosophers are, are very almost edgy and, and and you know rough with each other uh but then they forget about it they don't hold on to it. like th- that's 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 there's something healthy about that that we're we're kind of we don't want to be we're kind of ashamed of that or something in this culture i feel so yeah it's like a basic combative quality healthy combative healthy sort of martial arts in the sense of of healthy combat um, men really need that. Mm. Um, I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's also my my perspective and experience. And then there is also like I can also like turn that around. I can also see that there is also a nonverbal language that many women are attuned to. Like if we talk about women and the feminine, women Mm -hmm. are more attuned to the relational field that the gatherers sitting around the circle, me able to read the relational field, kept my, like my baby alive if I died, because as many like connection points I made relationally, there were more like that someone cared for my offspring. So many women are really powerful and attuned to like what is the subtleties that is not like verbalized and i also been in in groups with men and women where there are more like you could call a even if both men and women are engaging but if you are more mental fast and like you're throwing like the, the the conversation around you can lose voices like really important voices that are more subtle, that are more nonverbal, that are more physical, that are have a high sensitivity of like picking up dissonances in the space or listening like beyond the veil. So they can actually hear something that hasn't come into like uh, creation yet. And if we don't give, give space like to that more, like you could say, if, if I'm referring back to your example before, like the more embodied conversation, we, can, we also lose important voices yeah mm, for, uh, for sure yeah yeah so and, and i can and i can see that also like both in, in in it doesn't matter if i speak to a group of men or I speak to a group of women that is also quality that is needed mm-hmm. so, well, so I don't, yeah sorry go ahead <laughs> no, I interrupted go you. no i'm thinking of like this term mansplaining and I, I don't like the use of that politically 
But there is something like about men that they get hyper conceptual uh, and they need to be brought down to the earth. Like the, uh, they, they, they tend to live in their minds and, and disconnect from their bodies. And that's, that's the, that's the sort of neurotic as that's an, a, a kind of male neurosis. It's just being hyper conceptual uh, and living in language, living in just concepts, living in this like fantasy world of language. It has a sort of autistic flavor, right? Uh, you know. And conversely, like okay, like you know, in the in the in the alchemical tradition, you know, they talk or like in inner tantras, they talk about the white dot, which is up here, which is the masculine. It gets frozen. It gets stuck. Um, like like the it's it's supposed to be lunar, and then whereas the feminine is this blazing fire you know and it gets lost in, in extreme emotionality right yeah. uh, and it needs the cooling masculine and, and it just says the masculine needs to be need, needs that that hyper conceptuality to be tempered um mm -hmm. to be to be formed and so that's why in a way how we need each other it's just like where the alchemical chamber is incomplete without all the ingredients <laughs> you know it's a, a very beautiful way of saying to to say it yeah and also there, like what what I see also for many women, it's really to step forward in this conversation and not excuse themselves or waiting for someone to give space. It's like, oh, we need to throw in some music now. Like when it gets too dry, too fast, too conceptual, too mental, like when it is not because it's wrong, just because it's not serving. Like, how can I show up with my presence? How can I show up with inviting in more aliveness? And how can I do that without needing to be invited? Mm -hmm. uh, right, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and there's also, I was, well, I was talking to somebody about this before, and there is a way that the feminine needs to be invited as well. I've noticed like in the podcast space, guys just go in, you know, and do it, right? They, they just... There's, there's, it's, it's, it's overwhelmingly male, right? And then, and then, you know, to invite somebody to come, <laughs> a woman like you, it, it somehow, somehow, I'm not saying you personally, but it seems like that there is a way in which women have to be invited. Does that make any sense, or, or, or maybe this is what women need to do: is jump in and not be invited, but. I think most most likely it's not either off, it's both and. Yeah. Like as 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 the same as I see that, like uh, men allowing themselves to really have these conversations where they are powering each other with their different perspectives and allowing that and, and, and seeing that as sacred and important and equally being sensitive enough to notice if there is a voice in the room, no matter uh, if it's a man, woman or a fluid that is not spoken and invite that voice in. Uh, and, 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 and as much as I can adore that conversation and see like the truth that comes into the room and the alignment and then conceptual and the clarity and the discernment and the distinctions and really noticing how I become more alive because there is more truth in the room. Uh, and, and then also stepping forward when I notice it becomes too dry or too mental or too conceptual. So I, I receive it's not, yeah, either off, it's both end. I think that's uh, mm -hmm. as, as many times like the, holding that paradox. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. Well, the, the question that came to me uh, just the, as, as you were speaking was a question of like women in power. You know, what is, what is, what is, what is power? 
and what is powerful women and what is powerful men in, in the positive and negative sense. Mm. In one way, I can notice the first impulse that comes up is like, I don't know. And then I can notice like the next thing is, that comes up is like the curiosity of like an inquiry that I've been in the last, yeah, this whole like last couple of months this year. This is like, what is the, the, how do you say that in English? Pivotal. Is that how you say it? Like the primal, the really like the pivotal power of the man or the masculine. Like how, how would we word that and how we would word it for women, like uh, the feminine? Yeah. Uh, I'm quite curious on that. Like uh, how, yeah. Well, I mean, there is, there are the, the the kind of archetypes, you know, which you know you can you can look at. Um, I, I, Fanny, I was talking, I was talking to Fanny, uh, and she had a nice theory. I thought she said there's the receptive male and the active male, mm -hmm. and the receptive male is more like priestly. He's just he's powerful in his presence, mm -hmm. you know. And I think of sort of what do I think of? I don't know, Christ or something, and then. Yeah. And then the uh, and then there's the the warrior the warrior male who is who is powerful in his sort of nonverbal action, just going out there and making things and doing things and engineering things and and uh, and that's kind of so the power of, that's the the sort of the the, the two sides the, of the of power in the masculine realm and he she also said that there's a receptive female and an active female and she was making the point that in the, in the West or in in, in our culture we tend to not um honor the, the the active female the the fierce female the you know the the uh let's say the kali type mm -hmm. of archetype right? we tend to 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 do the madonna thing or or just do the madonna or whore and so that that fierce fe sexual feminine is considered a whorish or you know uh instead of instead of something being like you know you know very alive so maybe we're growing out of that feminine horror kind of yeah. dichot dichotomy. Right? Yeah. And female. And so it's not fem it's not fe feminine horror. It's um it's more like uh, you know, active active receptive or something like that. Yeah, and also last time I talked to her, she upgraded it uh and she worded as the creative feminine and the whole feminine. And the creative masculine and the whole uh, and the the holding masculine and the creative uh, um, masculine, right, right, yeah. Right. And that like the creative feminine is you could you could pull the archetypes of like the the witch, the seductress, um, the sorceress, mm -hmm. and then the uh, and then the holding uh, is more like the mother, uh, the the sage, and and so on. Uh, and and for for the for the creative masculine is like the warrior, uh, the one who gets shit done. Like the and the holding yeah. masculine is more like the priest or uh, the king and so on. And I think these are I think she's really onto something really good in it. And I also like these really like power. Uh, I don't know if I speak into like your original question, but yeah. like. Like if you look at what is the pivotal or really primal force or power of the, the man or the masculine is that to um to die like to to actually die or protect 
for something that is bigger than himself. Mm-hmm. Like, and how is that honored? Like, and that is a kind of like deep aggression. Like that is really deep, deep aggression. Yeah. And how is, and you could call that like Kali energy. Like, how is that, is that sacred or is that really in our postmodern society? That is really what we are, um, like, uh, how do you say, pushing it down. And, and yeah. it, in time of crisis, what do we need? We need men with healthy aggression that will say, I am willing to give myself over and kill and be killed uh, for life. Uh, and, and, and what is the primal, pivotal like force or power of the feminine is that that she is life creating? Uh, I don't know fully, but it, like I can notice that if I look into like uh, the tantric tradition, you can see that. Like you can see that uh, a stream in the feminine and masculine, like the protector of life and the life giver, and uh, and also how how do we care for for these parts in us in our society today? I don't know if I have any good or clear answer on it, but I can notice that I have, if yeah, an urge to really like allow us to explore it and keep on talking into it and really like bring all the new essence around it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think I think there's so many passive aggressive men, you know, and angry women out there. I mean that. It would be so nice if you know if men could, could you know find ways to deal with with their aggression and and the, and the, the you know there there would be a way for for let's say that that to be appreciated on you know and, mm. Mm. again I guess I think I I, I I sometimes I'm afraid I'm offending people when I when I make these vast categorizations, it's interesting. I was, I was like, I'm like, Andrew, you probably are. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's okay. That's okay to a certain extent, that's a certain extent, but I am afraid, you know, I'm not without fear. <laughs> that's okay. I can be the suffering of the day. Can't it? <laughs> but I, I also like, I don't know, but like, what is it that makes you bring up the question of power? And, 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 and also, I also wonder like, Oh, yeah, like if you go for like we started at a bit like eros. How how is eros in our society today? Like as I say, like what would happen if we brought eros back into the culture? In what way is that connected with female and male anger, rage, or passive aggressiveness? Uh, why is that important for the times we live in right now? Like, uh, yeah, I, I just wonder how they are connected. Like. Yeah. Well, the first part of your question, I was thinking about your website, and I was thinking about how you present yourself as empowering women and and that, that kind of thing, just powerful women who are, you know, um, you know, in, in in the business world and that kind of thing. And so I was I was I was thinking what that would mean, um, and then I but I was also thinking of the corruption of power at the same time, because my question was two parts: what's the what's the positive meaning of power and then what is the negative meaning of power and so i, I think for for mas- the masculine the negative meaning of power is just tyranny right just being a tyrannical you know dominating mm. sort of being um and going going into you know indiscriminate violence and uh, uh that would be the negative power and then the, i think the positive power in the masculine is often about presence just being presence and being taking the blows and just being there and, and also just 
being yeah and there's the, the creative aspect as well um you know whatever you say about it is is a limitation or a, or a reification of something but there's more to say always but so um and how would you i was wondering and this so that was like that's sort of obvious for for men right you know in a way what the positive power would be it would be like like uh i think something to do with wisdom and and uh discrimination and and then and then that what so what is the and i wanted to see if you would articulate what the positive and the negative power of women would be i the, the first thing I, I was like i was curious to that's why i, I um, interrupted you I was like i wonder what you would say with if you describe the woman, but I could start. Um, one thing that comes to mind for me is that I see this power women have uh, that you can have a very concrete example when a mother is connecting to her uh, newborn. Like there is such a deep capacity for receptivity, like to be connected to the other. Like to read this subtle impulses, like both using her instinct, both using her uh, like uh, this really primal instinct, but also her intuition, also like her whole um, and psychology and how her brain is wired, like to have this capacity to sense like the subtleties of dissonance and what's needed. So actually be able to read the, you could say the bigger ecosystem if that's the tribe or the family or the, the, the relation between the child and the mother. And that gives, I would say, immense power of knowing what goes on in the field. Like, uh, so in, in the positive sense of power is that a woman's capacity, capacity for receptivity make her very attentive to the dissonance so they can move into more harmony, but also how she can use the dissonance to create more disharmony, mm -hmm. depending on if she want to create harmony for serving the wholeness and everything that's in the, the thriving of the wholeness, or if she wants to use the dissonance to create more chaos and more rupture and more for getting what she wants mm. yeah yeah that's it i was reading something from ivan illich who was talking about how traditionally like the women would go down to the well and and, and gossip and i always thought of gossip as a negative thing you know mm. gossip we always think of gossip as a negative mm. thing but gossip is also how the tribe is kept together how we decide what is right and what is wrong and it, you can destroy a life through gossip but you can also keep the harmony through just saying okay we, can, we don't want this anymore or this is so so like uh, i i learned actually this word this week uh feminine cunning i think that's the right word you know like yeah. uh, like uh you can seduce the other to more wholeness and yeah. harmony yeah. and you can seduce the other for serving your own purpose and that is not uh, in terms of harmony and beauty and prosperity, for example. So, yeah. so, so a negative form of seduction. Sort yeah. Of thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, manipulation, yeah. like, uh, yeah. 
Yeah. And I was thinking about seduction too. That's that's another really good topic. I mean, I think the most powerful masculinity is 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 not seducible, like at some level. Like it can't be seduced. At the other hand, it's extremely seductive, right? I'm just trying to think of really powerful men that I know, and they won't be seduced by anything. Um, um, you know, even if still and still they need to be able to play, or else they are dried up. Yeah, yeah exactly. But they <laughs> no, so yeah, it's like they have both going on. They're not seducible, but they're also able to just be joyful and play with existence. But they're 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 not, they're not seduced by it at the same time. Yeah, right. And that's a true turn on. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's a true as a woman, I would say that's a true turn on because that's that's such a deep like that's safety. That's mm. all that's safety and that's knowing that it's so deeply trustable. So like the I would say like the, the really deep part of the feminine, that's what she really wants. Because that's trustable and that like she is in service for the wholeness, like to 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 create more harmony. Uh, if it's healthy uh, so a masculine part that is that as well that yeah 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 and i think the mistake men make usually often is, is to try to be seductive or something or or try to try to try to play the the, the, the women's sort of game of being seductive um and then you end up then they end up being the woman's friend instead of and you know there's a very powerful but but, but that men men need to learn that over and over again and then finally, they, I, I don't know, in my experience, and a lot of men I know, you, we learn that over and over again. And eventually we, we learn to hold, you know, find our ground or our presence. Um, yeah, and also in, in one way, like what, what comes up for me when I listen to you now, is also like this, when we melt, like I, I stepped into grandmothering uh, last year. So I now like mm. in my life journey, I have had the pleasure to become a grandmother. And in that I have noticed like a deep initiation and a rite of passage. And for the first time, I would say in my, in my life, I have been aware enough to actually pay attention and show up for that rite of passage and have had the right support around me to allow that to really penetrate my psyche and my, yeah, like, be open for for spiritual emergence in it and and it's also interesting to see like the sage like the crone the grandmother like mm. uh, these archetypes was like noticing like the masculine and feminine like coming into union within like to like what you describe like like the man or the masculine that cannot be seduced like that's a like a that's deep integrity and that's deep yeah, deep integrity is the word deep integrity and noticing like that that deep integrity that has come that of I am now like the whole like I I have two generations like in front of me to to care for and serve like I I have walked uh, along my life path and I have a certain amount of days or life force energy left like how 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 do I want to get uh, uh, how do how do you say? Um, what do I want to do with them? So also noticing like how I am alive and in my seductor, and I'm in my very integral masculine. So there you could say in a way it's almost like the feminine and the masculine is blended in together in a third thing. In, uh, in age too, yeah. I mean, I guess also, I guess also, guys 
old men when men get older they kind of grow breasts and you know they kind of they start get to get soft or the muscles fall off and they become more <laughs> feminine <laughs> you know i noticed that actually i lived in a monastery for some time and the older women had beards and you know the guys were extremely <laughs> feminine so oh i mean sorry i, I that's i i that i i'm, I'm joking away what you're saying because i think it's very important um, um i think this i think it's very what's very important is like you mentioned grandmothers and i, I don't know i, I somehow think that gr grandmothers are a big key to the culture at the moment mm. intuition but mm. yeah and also like in this like what i was also speaking into is like when i can see this like through the grandmother archetype but also through the initiation in my own life journey is like when the feminine masculine actually are coming into union within yourself deep integrity and a capacity to be seduced by life and seduce life mm. so so there is uh yeah I, again if I, I place it back into where we're at uh in society right now what seems to be needed it is leaders or people showing up in deep integrity for the values and what they believe in and at the same time uh not be uh blown away by the suffering of the world and not ignore it hold it with open hand and at the same time being seduced by life being awe and wonders of life uh allowing life to yeah to do its thing and uh, so holding this again the, the paradox between the suffering and the radical hope of being truly alive like uh yeah mm -hmm. that's where we started so that's a good place to end perhaps right yeah. yeah great so we've come up to an hour maybe we'll we'll bring in some questions from our friends uh we have nils and tom here with us still you want to jump in tom sure a little bit more light okay so um pamela what i was thinking about and what i wanted to ask you so is about let's say the ebb and flow of errors right and so because i think it's a kind of spectrum you know on one side it's something that you can harvest in yourself through the right techniques but sometimes it seems as if it comes from outside like as a grace you can mm -hmm. see it in, in relationships you can see it in businesses and projects where sometimes uh something takes hold of you right and you don't know what it is and then it then it's gone after a while you know because everything has an ebb and flow life and death and so this, this whole thing is a spectrum a spectrum so i want i was wondering if you can say something about that about this ebb and flow about you know where the difference is between that's my responsibility and maybe it just happens without me doing anything it's like okay because you said something like okay we have to bring arrows back into into society in our culture so but how much can we do it you know how much or how much how much are we graced when it happens just so about that kind of difference maybe you have some words for that yeah thank you tom for the the the, the nuance and the distinction there because for me when i use the word bringing errors back to culture is really about allowing yourself to pay attention to the grace if i used your word the grace like when it comes 
and follow that and allow that to take you like to surrender into the moments when you can notice it uh so so for me it's not so much about oh we need to do this and this and this <laughs> it's more right. of how can i be in life so i can show up for that collaboration right so uh, and and also again uh, thank you for bringing in the ebb and flow because it's also if you look at animals they're not like 24 7 or even 12 hours a day active like it's not about like believing that you act on errors like every single moment of your of your of your it's it's really about rest it's about play and the impulse come then it's about action <laughs> then it's about uh, showing up and then uh, you can notice like on a personal level that you are so full of errors that you're so generative for the moment and then you can notice that you contract and you can notice that there is nothing and then you are with the nothingness you're not like hunting anything right. uh, but you are taking care of your vehicle so you can pay attention again when it comes back and it's and i do also see that there is a responsibility as an individual and as a group to like say Eros is about aliveness. If I feel dead, numb, in pain, in tension, um, what can I do to show up like uh, for becoming more alive? Uh, so it's not, again, like either off, it's both and. Does that make sense? Yes, of course. I mean, I was, I was thinking about this uh, recently, you know, what, what growing up means in a kind of sense. And in a, in a very basic way, it just means to know when you have to, well, contract and be silent and and just observe and do nothing and be overwhelmed by all these kinds of things that, you know, are, you know, that you don't see if you act. But then on the other side, you have to know the exact moment when to act, how to act and with which kind of intensity. And I think growing up means to know when to do what, you mm -hmm. know, because like, mm -hmm. okay, so, just step back, just observe, just see what happens, you know, learn something about yourself and the systems you're in. But in other moments, they're just, okay, now swift and strong action is needed to, to give the system a kind of push and to be align yourself within these, you know, let's say greater systems you're embedded within. Yeah. I think that's in a, in a very simple way, means just growing up, yeah. you know, and, and I'm always fascinated by that. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it me personally it's taken me <laughs> so long time because I I do have a a beautiful sensing capacity, so I can pick up impulses that lays quite long into the future, and then my if you I would keep on speaking these terms, my immature masculine have just like or my mental mind just like whoa like that, and I just right. came, out of, came out of right timing, right. and. And and still, I'm still practicing, and I think I probably will practice for the rest of my life in it. Oh. But I've noticed that that the the right timing and alignment, and with the other systems around, and like with the wholeness, like again, the whole ecosystem, uh, it's such it's such out of out of importance. And that is just like just keep on failing, <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then and then you notice like whoa, there. This is how 
this is the rhythm and then then there is also techniques for yeah speaking to the oracle in your within yourself to to really exactly because it's not just the the social systems around you the ecosystem because it's also because um, you know uh, about the, the the choir you have within yourself and to hear like okay which voice do you have to listen to now you know which 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 voice which impulse do you let out you know there's a lot, like a whole inner cosmos you have to align yourself with like i think we're like constantly over challenged with all these kind of complexities we're dealing with and it's like it's so easy to make just mistakes and missteps and oh no shit maybe i, I should have just shut up or whatever and you know it's like um yeah i know this feeling <laughs> yeah mm. i was thinking while you were talking if you don't mind me interjecting here it's like uh the desert there's like the jungle which is we think of aliveness being a jungle, but there's the, the desert is also alive as well, right? Just these empty times where there's nothing, and then and then and then there's there's times where there's there there's you're, you're in action. So, so uh, I, I mean, I'm I'm not now 52, and I guess like you move into a more darkness as you get older. You move into the darkness a bit. You're not you're not as generative, but but you but you you're, you're more contemplative, and you're more there's an aspect of that. So. Which is it, it maybe not eros in the same sense, but I don't know if that makes any sense. I was also thinking about chill, like relaxing and chilling, and the difference between like the society today. It's like either you 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 work really 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 hard, and then you you just vegetate and watch Netflix or something, but we've forgotten how to chill or just be or just like hang out with not much going on and. So that's an important part of arrows too. This kind of languid, kind of like lazing, you know, just being. Yeah, but it's also like a like a <laughs> building capacity of paste. It's like a, like really having that. Uh, like as a the way I navigated it in my own company is really about oh, for three days I shouldn't do anything. I, I should actually just like be out in nature and waiting for like that impulse of like, there it is. And then I should really act. And and then maybe I'm like, I'm, I'm doing something for two days and quite a lot of time, like 10 hours a day or something. And then there is again, so it's, it's so much getting a total different way of navigating to how to act, how to respond, how to, that's a process in itself that um most often we do not get that taught we don't have role models on it so it's really for me it has been very much of finding my way of like wow this is the work paced uh this is how i need to show up again in the process of it uh and i can notice i even when i put words in it i'm not clear enough because it's so subtle but it's really about, it's not working eight hours every day exactly the same way, mm. but it's really like paying attention to when should I do what, how should I do it, <laughs> and what should I do? Yeah, yeah, go on. You want to say something, uh, Tom? Yes, uh, Pamela, how do you um, conceptualize that very impulse? Because, I mean, I have this discussion with Andrew all the time in our podcast, The Parallax View. So it's like you, you, have a, you have a problem, you have an issue, it doesn't really matter what it is, relationship, business-wise, and you don't have a solution. 
right? Yeah. Your mental mind doesn't have a solution. And then you do something else. You do, let's say you do a meditation and, and you do a meditation and you just let go. And in that moment, you let go. You know, if, if you uh, let go deeply enough, then it happens. And then everything is there, you know, from somewhere, like an impulse. And you know, ah, that's that, that's the path, that's the way, that's, you know, the, the way how to move the earth in a kind of way. But as long as you don't, as you don't separate yourself from it, it can't, it can't come. And so you have to find a method for yourself to, to distance yourself to, you know, to let the system tell you what it wants in a kind of way. And so how do you conceptualize this impulse? Because it does it come from you? Or where does it come from? Where is it? Is it inside your head? Is it out? You know, it's like, how, how do you conceptualize it? My experience is that it's it doesn't come from my frontal cortex. Right. It doesn't come from my rational mind. I, I, I would say it's almost like it's not coming from within. And it still can have a sense of coming from within. I, it's more like... I get this like a uh, story, Hans and Greta, I don't know the English word for it, but you know, they were taken by the witch and they were throwing some small stones or breadcrumbs. So it's almost like, there it is, there it is, there it is. Like, as you say, maybe I'm sitting, I'm gonna write a text and there's nothing that comes. And then I get an impulse like, oh, I should call that person. And then I call that person. And in that dialogue, suddenly half of the text is written and right. then, another person i go and and i feel like oh i need to go buy some food and i go to the store and then there is a person there and i hear a conversation between two people and i get another perspective that is to that text so so i receive there is so much synchronicity that is available for us almost like yeah there it is so it's like hmm, there's it's like a weave weaving like a weaving of like i know it's going to be something a sweater we say but i don't know the pattern for the sweater but i'm listening to and allowing the impulses come up and the pattern to show itself for me and that is like allowing myself to weave and bring and pick um so short answer i do not receive the impulses comes from my front cortex right. mm -hmm. uh, i receive it comes from something beyond my only my own body human experience and it has a pattern and it has its uh, own life right interesting the I mean, word time travel cheesy, but weave. you know sorry to interrupt here no, <laughs> just, just say you just said the word weave and i would just want to this is a footnote i'm sorry to interrupt <laughs> but, but that means tantra means to weave so i thought that was interesting mm. that's your whole methodology mm. Sorry, Tom, please. No, 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 it's fine. No, I, I, I had a similar cheesy comment, you know, just, you know, because Eros as a god has like these wings and, you know, with a, with an arrow. And so when it shoots, I mean, it's it's a symbol for people getting and falling in love, but it's like the, the idea behind it is just, it's just this creative thing, this evolutionary impulse. And when, when the arrow is shot, you know, you know the path in the kind of way. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I, and I receive that. The, when the, the outcome is created, it's created in a way that I could never figure out myself. Like it's beyond my own rational mind capacity. 
right. intelligence and the profound like the the way it is arranged and with the timing and 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 the flow of it it's like that's an intelligence beyond me i i did not i showed up for it and i co-created with it but i'm not the creator in a way and at the same mm. time i am yeah and we all know that we can't really do it on our, on our own with our own machinations right in a sense like if we just try to construct something through our own processes, thinking processes, doesn't work, right? It's, it's kind of, it's always, it's always, you know, there's always a process of surrendering that mechanicalness, getting rid of it and allowing for, for the, I guess, the arrows to arise. Yeah, yeah I receive it so much <laughs> getting out of the way. Yeah. Deeply, listen, deeply listening, being receptive and getting out of the way and then daring to step out in the unknown uh, and feeling the awkwardness, be able to hold that, knowing the discern, like what, or like just discern so you not get like uh, lost in that awkwardness and <laughs> making it more real than what you actually are surrendering to. Mm. I also like the fact that it's essentially nothing new. The terminology has changed. But if you look at, you know, old books, you know, when you when when it's talked about the seers, you know that have sight or vision, mm. and the duality of the vision and the voice, you know. So it's like um, we now have different, more modern terms for that. But this very capacity, which was always like kind of in the domain of the shamans and the healers of the tribe, to you know be at the margins and to see and and to formulate a kind of you know goal or vision for for the tribe as a you know, as the capacity of the shaman and, and the healer, I always find that historical trajectory very interesting because it is a sight, it is a vision, you know, mm -hmm. that, you know, that has nothing to do with your, the immediacy of your, your, your surroundings in a kind of way. Yeah, that's also quite interesting because I, I received that in my early 20s and also in, in my, uh, when I was around 10, I could channel like information that I that wasn't available for me, and it wasn't available around the, like the the community or culture I lived in. And then years later, I could read a book, and I could know it's like, wow, this this is actually uh, existing, or this is how you did it. And I just knew it. I could just have a vision, and I could just know it. And then I just could notice really deep in that. Even if I'm really scared, I'm just going to do it because it's true. Like so, I, right. so the vision was already alive, and then I noticed a very clear shift also when life took me on a journey to explore my feminine deeper. This vision went away. Went away. Like uh, they went, that capacity went away, and then it came out of more uh, these very subtle impulses. More like so, I, I didn't get this. Oh, this is a ten-year vision. And I'm having that direction point, and then it will keep on unfolding in a very synchronistic way. Uh, it's changed to become more, here's an impulse, here's an impulse. And so it's more like stepping on the edge of the unknown uh, in a different way, but still it's unfolding by itself. So I also thought that has been quite interesting to notice the two difference, as I would say, to go back Andrew, to what you said before, like a more masculine and maybe more feminine way. Uh, and maybe it's not, but that's my interpretation for now. 
do I understand that correctly that you just described it as a kind of circle you started out as a as a young woman and had these kind of channeling visions and the more more you matured in a kind of way the more you, you try to integrate the masculine but at the same time the visions get got initially like weaker but now that you're like on the other side of the curve you know they, they're getting kind of you you're getting to the point where you can do it more consciously is that what you're saying or, or? no i don't think that's what i'm saying i'm just oh, saying okay. mm -hmm. just, uh, i'm just sharing uh my own experience and maybe it's just mine and not valid for anyone else i'm just really humble for that mm -hmm. as well but like i had a very clear capacity to channel visions and then like walking in that direction uh for maybe 10 years and the vision came alive in a, in a, a still a very way and then something shifted so my capacity for channeling vision uh like stopped but the capacity of really sensing subtle impulses like more from like day to day and noticing like a, a very like you could say a hidden pattern but more taking me on a journey of needing to be in the unknown i'm not knowing right. and practicing that capacity really really deep and and now i receive i'm probably i receive that i'm a shift again or maybe these two will melt together but i don't know yet uh, but i just noticed like uh, two different ways of engage and relate to um what's present even if it's not uh seen by the eye yeah yeah i wonder if this clairvoyant kind of a big quality or ability is more ordinary as a state than we would think that it's just been blocked by industrial culture by mm. by, by 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 again by this very mechanical way that we've been forced into into these blocks of time and and, and behaviors and mm. yeah yeah and maybe that's a really good way of saying it andrew you know when we talked before about the pace you know what is to be active like we are taught to be active in a very mechanical way like you do that and you do that and you do that you should do it a certain amount of time but to rewire a non-mechanical way of actually becoming a process like allowing yourself like yeah we are a process and we are becoming and following that and really listening carefully okay what's here what's now and that's i think that's a beautiful way of saying how to show up in 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 creativity or in um business with a non-mechanical way like a being a process mm. Yeah, I want, being mechanical when that's what is, but it's we're more most we're most often better on that than allowing the process to be and following that and becoming that. I wonder if Nils has a question. We have Nils in the house. Are you there, Nils? I'm here. Do you want to I jump in with with a question? Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I really love having this um, sneaky position, but um, I also appreciate you inviting me for a question. Uh, I will struggle to be very coherent, but um, some of what's been on my mind is the, 
Let's see. I'm just gonna find another. I feel like Nels is on the move. <laughs> Nels is on. Um, um, I feel to me, Eros is this um, knife's edge. You know, I don't know it very well. I've studied it, but just from listening to the different people talking about it, it's this knife's edge. And when you said, Andrew, that the grandmother felt like a key persona or key archetype in this time, that something clicked for me because it sort of, I can get the connection to some type of Eros that is. You know, where I don't have a sexual conflict, where I don't get into conflict with my sexual persona. So that grandma energy, which still has this eros, but not getting into sexual conflicts. And well, these are just some ramblings on my end, but it feels deeply meaningful to me because I feel like this eros is, is a, 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 a sort of um, spirit worth pursuing. But uh, it's all very new to me, and 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 it's this knife's edge again for me because it gets into that sort of yeah sexual conflicts, and I'll just keep that very vague. But uh, these are some ramblings, and and now I shall shall be quiet. Yeah, and that is probably <laughs> uh, another conversation. Uh, but you are pointing it, Nils, at something that I think is so interesting, valuable, and important. Like, uh, like that sexual edge that very often comes in uh, when we start talking about eros. Um, so, um, in what way? Do we distinct eras from our own primal, more primal sexual energy? Um, so, yeah. And how they are connected, but still separate. Yeah, I wonder if you age, the, the eros becomes more imaginative or, or something. It's it's It becomes more... Uh, rather than so, so as physical as it used to be, um, we have to keep being connected to the physical. But like for, for the, the grandmother, and, and there is something very physical about being a bit older. Like I'm 52. I don't know how old Pamela is, but you're already a grandmother. So, so um, as we age, it's an interesting thing to think about what our relationship to Eros is. I would say. Mm -hmm. I'm 49, and you're, you're uh, I can young, a young grandmother. Yeah, and I can notice that I can't really, uh, for now or yet, relate to your perspectives uh, around the um, yeah the the quality. If there will be a quality of difference in the eros, I would be a quite interesting exploration. Um, hmm. So I will bring that with me. I just had today um, a conversation with a good friend of mine who is also like a Tantra teacher. And so we were talking about the difference of having a, like a like a mystical union with everything in meditation, or if you actually find some 
partner uh, with whom you connect on on all levels where these kind of things happen in a similar but completely different kind of way we just i was telling him i had a girlfriend and we were just lying on the couch clothes on everything and that was mind-blowingly um that, that was a mystical union and in a way because because the body and the, the 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 physical errors was involved that was a whole different quality than just um blocking the body out in meditation i mean you can have ecstasy and and samadhi and all the bliss that is kind of attached to to these meditative states but you know to have that in you know when 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 the when the profane and the sacred the duality and the non-duality if that in this reality all comes together in a kind of way with a with a partner with eros that's that's a very interesting experience you can have right and i, I i'm always fascinated by these by these shades of bliss let's say mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah bliss is like the key thing yeah <laughs> Uh, in a sense yeah and also uh, I, uh, like uh, when you mention uh, Tom like also the mystical experience you can have with uh, intimate sexuality also with yourself and if you call it errors or God or the mystery exactly it can be deeply profound like right. but it's also about as you say it's the wholeness that's involved. Uh, actually, having the sense of um, uh, being fucked by life, right? Or, mm -hmm. Say God or the mystery. Like I have had experience where I, that I definitely define as mystical. And I'm just like, wow, I get the nuns. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, yeah. I'm like, wow. <laughs> so mm -hmm. also, and it is a different experience. Uh, from the the bliss experience in meditation, for example, not as the one is better or worse; they're just different yeah, and exactly. mm -hmm. qualities, and uh, and also living living life uh, with that erotic turned on, no matter what conversation or workplace. Like, yeah, I I I I don't even think we have started to sniff the potential of what's possible there. Right. And, right. I, and I could just notice I'm curious. I'm going to just keep on exploring it <laughs> as long as I'm still breathing. I guess it's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm already several times like taken and blown away of what what's, seems possible. Mm. I just fear, and this is like, uh, I, I don't know if you know uh, Christopher Ryan, he's an anthropologist and psychologist, and he's like good with wisdom and stuff. And, and so he says, you know, the problem probably is that the moment uh, you understand really what's going on, that's the end of it. You know, he referred to it from, you know, the testosterone aspect of things, you know, but it's also, you know, it's like um, if, if you understand the universe, it will collapse and something new will emerge. You know, and that's also like an aspect of errors, you know, this new kind of thing and the old yeah, thing. learning how to die, out. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's part of the whole that's a whole other conversation as well. Geez, yeah. we've covered so much ground here. Um is it Pamela, is there anything maybe do you do you think now would be a good time to round off the conversation? Because it's it's uh, it's nine thirty. Is there anything you want to just 
just say um, to our Parallax Academy audience and um, or or about what you're up to or 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 um, to, to to leave this conversation with any anything any anything you want to kind of close us off with. I uh, I just would like to bring the invitation that uh, like the inquiry of what would happen if we allowed ourselves to dare to ask the question, what will turn us on, what will lit us up, what will allow us to become more alive, like uh, together as a society. Like I, I just, uh, I'm just curious on that. So I'm just leaving that in the middle of the room and allow that to be a part of our conversation. <laughs>